those words there, aren't they, from the hymn writer Isaac Watts, and those last verses really sum up my sermon for today, that the love, the amazing love that God has shown needy sinners, when, when that love really comes into the heart, it completely transforms someone's life, doesn't it? Well, dear church family, this Lord's Day morning we'll be considering really the scene set before us in John's Gospel 19, 25 through 27. We see here the, the mother, the Virgin Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ, stood by the, the cross of Jesus, it says in verse 25. And of course her sister, another Mary, is with her. And Mary Magdalene, three Marys. Mary Magdalene was the one that wiped the Lord Jesus' feet, dirty feet with her tears. These three dear women. And of course, the disciple who described her the Lord loved. Of course, he loved them all. But it is a particular affection described her of John. And they are all stood by the cross of Jesus. There were many that day that was stood by the cross. There were the soldiers that were mocking the Lord. There were the chief priests. There were the crowds. There were many, weren't there? Uh, there. Um, but there were, there were some there that came to mock. There were come, some there to, as it were, look upon the scene, like, almost like a sporting event, uh, to perhaps... Uh, Indulge their, uh, their, their, um, their curiosity. Um, but Mary, the, the mother of the Lord Jesus, and the friends of the Lord were there for a particular reason. And that's really what I want to talk to us about today. Why were they there? Why, why would a son, why would a mother want to see her son, her, her son suffering and dying in such a way? Surely this would be the most, most painful experience. And why would friends want to, to see such a dear friend going under, undergoing such abuse? Especially one who, who, who did so much good. Well, that's really what I, I want to talk about today. Well, let us just uh, remind ourselves of those verses. Verses 25 through 27. This is the word of God. Now they stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother, and the disciples standing by, whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold my son. just want to say at that point there, when he says woman, he's not talking disrespectfully here. He's saying that... In, because he cares very much for his soul. He's saying that because he doesn't really want to say mother, because at that point it would be incredibly cutting to her. So he, he's, he, he, the, the, the Saviour is so tender now with her, he's so considerate of her feelings here. He, he knows if he says mother, it will cut to her heart even, even more so. Woman, behold thy son. Then said he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour the disciple took her unto his own home. Well today, dear friends, we see, do we not, the power, the, the power of God's love, of God's glorious, amazing love to sinful 
man. And we see, so evidently clear, don't we, the effects that this love has upon any poor lost sinner. When, when the love of God, the glorious, amazing love of God through Christ comes into any poor sinner's heart and it saves them, it has an amazing, transforming effect. And that's what we see here. And this love, this amazing, glorious love of God, it makes people do extraordinary things. Quite frankly, it makes them do crazy things. Things that they would never dream of doing once before. And this is what we see, isn't it? Someone who does an extraordinary thing here. The question really I have for each and every one of us, including myself here today, has there been a time, a moment, a season in, in your life and in my life when, like Mary, we've stood by the cross of Jesus? Of course, we can't do that literally. But has there been a time in our lives where, in the providence of God and in the mercy of God, We've come to stand at that, the foot of the cross, by the cross, and we've surveyed what, what, what happened there, why the Saviour was there. We've been brought to a situation where we, we are like Mary and like John and like the friends of the Lord, we're there considering what our Maker has done for us. Quite simply today, let us really consider the following two truths, which are so evidently clear in Holy Scripture here. Firstly, we see so much so that the power, the power of, of God's love through Christ to sinful man. And secondly, we see the effect of God's love on a believing heart. The effect of God's love upon a believing heart. Friends, God's powerful amazing love, when it strikes through, when it strikes through to any, any heart, it completely alters and changes the course of anyone's life, doesn't it? The, 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 the trajectory of any person, when the love of God comes in, when they realise what the Saviour has done for them, when like Mary and John, they, they stand at the cross and they consider what their Maker has done for them, it so changes completely alters that person's life. The course which they're headed in is completely changed. Why, like I said in the beginning, why would a mother, why would a mother be there beholding her son die? Why would she want to, 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 to take herself through the, the emotional heartache of watching her son undergo such pain and such abuse and such contradiction to sinners. Why would a friend, friends want to see their greatest friend endure all this pain, all this suffering, all this blasphemy? Well, the truth is, dear friends, because the truth is, is because they believe that Christ was more than a son. The truth is they believe that Christ was more than a friend. The truth is, is that they believed that he was more than a man, that their maker was here dying for them. They believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. They believed that their maker was here paying for their sins. That's 
why he was there. And so they were looking at the cross set before them. And they understood, well, it's not the Jews, really. That's, that's why he's not here. Yes, the Jews put him on the cross, nailed him to the cross. But he's here because of me. Because my sin put him here. He's, un he's undergoing this torture for me. He's suffering for me. And you see, friends, this love completely changed them. We do not see, do we do not see here, do we? Uh, the Virgin Mary, in particular, we think upon her. We do not see her te tearing her heart out, her tearing her hair out, wringing her hands. We do not see her in hysterics. Yes, of course, as the Scripture says, it must have pierced her soul. It must have been incredibly painful for her. But we see. We do not see her shouting aloud and, and uh, doing, going crazy. Of course, she would have thought of seeing a son undergoing such, such awful treatment. You would have thought that it would have had this effect. But we see here a, a very powerful, a very powerful and wonderful composure here. They stood by the cross of Jesus. It says here, yeah, they stood. We see here yeah, a very powerful and wonderful and glorious composure. They fully understood what the Saviour was doing. Has God so brought you to survey the wondrous cross? You know, in a survey, as that we sung uh, earlier, in a survey, it takes time, doesn't it? To, to, to do a survey on a house. And what the, the head writer Isaac Watts is saying, have you surveyed the cross? Have you seriously taken the time to consider what the Saviour of the world has done? Have we been brought to understand the gravity of what happened at the world's most momentous moment? The, 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 the time where time itself began. As they stood by the cross of Jesus, I wonder what was really going through their, their hearts and their minds. And no doubt that the sorrow was mixed with a profound reality of all God's amazing love for them. And perhaps the, perhaps the many prophecies of old uh, were brought to mind. That indeed the Saviour of the world would come from this despised family. And Mary, the Virgin Mary herself, of course, would know of this, wouldn't she? As a root out of a dry ground, the illustrious days of King Solomon were over, and the family tree had dwindled down to this dry root, this despised family. Mary knew full well. Joseph, by this time, was more than likely dead, um, probably for a long time now, and so Mary was in great need, but here she is. Standing uh, at the Savior. She's not worried about what's going to become of her life. That her son really was her own surety now. But she's there at the cross, as it were. And she's considering all those things of old. Uh, that she gave birth as a virgin to the Savior, as a root out of the dry ground. The, the glorious king, the, the days of King David and Solomon over this despised family. This root out of a dry ground. And as Isaiah 53 says, 
He had no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. There was nothing, there was nothing in him outwardly that made people want him. His face was so marred that 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 people would not want him. They were, he was so marred because he, he knew what, what he was doing. He lived a life of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He was on a mission to save souls. And when they there stood, and they, under, they, they looked at the Saviour, no doubt all these thoughts must have crossed their minds. This is the Saviour. This is the Christ dying for me. Through Christ, though Christ was rich, friends, beyond all splendour, though he owned the sheep upon a thousand hills, though he had all the glorious courts and mansions of heaven, paradise belonged to him. He had all these things, yet he had no fixed abode. Though he was gloriously rich, he became poor for them. He came into this despised family, this poor family, this carpenter, into this town which was, again, no good thing really could come of this town. It was despised. And the Lord of glory so humbled himself. And he came. And through his poverty, they became rich in his love. Even as a child, Christ was hunted down as a murderer. Even from his very conception, men sought to kill him and rid of him. And he had to flee into Egypt, didn't he? His whole life was, uh, was a life of sorrows, of affliction, of people wanting to get rid of him, people hating him because of his words and his life. Like Joseph, wasn't he? He was despised because of his words, because he spoke the truth, because he lived a chaste life, a holy life, a life only doing good, only helping people, only helping souls. Like Joseph, he was hated for his words, and he was hated more so for his life. There was nothing people could blame, point to him and say, you're guilty of that. And of course, when they looked upon that Saviour, when they stood at the cross, and they looked upon the Saviour, they remembered, no doubt, all these things to be true of him. He came to his own, uh, but he was rejected of his own, wasn't he? And when they looked upon him, they, were, they thought, this the love of God, the amazing love of God, that one should love me in such a way, that one, that one should care for me in such a way that they, all these years, that they should, they should take on board all these sorrows, all these griefs, be hated for me, be despised for me, that one should, should do all these things, that, that one should be rich and yet become poor for me, should every day inwardly be patiently bear the scoffing, the threats to his life, the, the false witnesses raised up against him, the reproach of men, the betrayal of friends. Every day of his life he would undergo all these things, that there would be such a one that would not retaliate, would not uh, revile back. There would be such a one who would love in this way. And no doubt they would think upon him, this spotless Lamb of God, this is the one. This is the Saviour who is dying for me. This is the one who, when they stood by the cross and they saw him, and perhaps they saw the thief 
also being forgiven. The one who railed against the Lord as well. And if they thought to themselves, this, this love has conquered my heart. No one has ever loved like him. No one has have ever undergone such torment. And Christ was willing to endure great humiliation for those he loved. They spat in his face. They hit him. They beat him. They mocked him, hit him with that reed, as it were. Robed him in that gown, that purple robe. Mocked him and bowed down to him and put that crown of thorns upon his head. A pierced skull. And they mocked him. And the crowds at first welcomed him. They cried out, crucify him, crucify him. And of course they released Barabbas, a murderer. One who was known, who was convicted of murder. They released a murderer instead of the prince of life, the author of life. And at that very moment he was upholding them with his power, every breath. And yet all these things were against him. And whilst on the cross they railed upon him, saying he saved others, himself he could not save. Let him come down and save himself, if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. If he be the King of Israel, let him come down and then we'll believe upon him. And yet, and yet, he did save others. He did do good. He was that spotless Lamb of God, wasn't he? The Lamb prepared before the world began for these sinners. And they stood, didn't they? Mary, all three Marys and John. They stood and they beheld this amazing love. That God should love them in such a way. That God should suffer for them in such a way. Dear friends, and this love, this amazing love, which is foreign to us. When God's love so strikes home to any heart, it changes them. It completely changes a sinner's life. And this is exactly what we see here. And friends, if this were not enough, from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, the whole land was in darkness, wasn't it? You can imagine the scene. As a saviour was being punished for our sins, for the sins of all his people, the whole land went dark. Such was the agony, such was the pain of soul the saviour was in. The one who knew no sin became sin for us when God the Father poured upon his own Son the full fury and wrath of his punishment upon sin of all those who would come to repent and to believe upon him. The whole of the land went dark whilst the Saviour bore our punishment that the Lamb of God became black, dark as it were, whilst God the Father poured upon him the punishment which we deserve for our sins, for our disobedience, for our law-breaking. The full punishment was poured upon the Saviour. You know, one day, many, many years ago, as a young Christian, I was walking in the countryside and I was much downcast because of things going, going on in my life at the moment, uh, at that moment, and um, it just seemed like everything was against me. I, I was one of those one of those times in my life where there was no way out as a, as a Christian. 
and uh, almost at a Red Sea moment where I felt like the armies of Pharaoh and Egypt were heading towards me. There was a barren land before me in the desert, and there was the water ahead. There was no way out as a Christian. And when I was walking and uh, contemplating these things, I looked up to the hills, and I saw on the hilltop, when the, the sun was setting, this big lamb, this big sheep upon the hill. And as the, the, the sun so slowly was setting, that lamb that was white, uh, this big lamb on the hill, well, as, as it came down, that lamb came dark in the silhouette. That once white lamb, in the silhouette, became pitch black, as it were. And as I remembered, as I remembered uh, the Saviour, I remembered, well, that's what he did for me. And all my, all my burdens, all my, the trials I was going through just paled into insignificance. When I remembered, that's what my Saviour did for me. When the sun went down, as it were, and paid my debt of sin, the Holy One, the God of Israel, He became sin who knew no sin. And I looked upon that lamb, and I saw the blackness of that lamb as the sun went down. That's my Saviour. He set me free. He bore my sin. He became sin who knew no sin. He endured hell. He paid my for my hell. He paid for every single one of my sins, past, present, and future. Every single one. And really, at that moment, again, uh, all my burdens just pale into insignificance because I'm free. I'm free now. Whatever happens in this life, I've got my Savior. And this is true of all God's people. And uh, that's what the Lord did for us. In the ninth hour, Christ cried out, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why? Why was God forsaken? Why was he separated from his Father? Because God the Father cannot look upon sin. He cannot look upon sin. God had to be separated for that time from his Son so that we can be joined to God, so that we can be brought close to God. Our sin separates us from God, but God took our sin on Himself. God took our punishment for sin on Himself. He became dark for us. He bore our sin on that cross. And we think about what it cost Him. We think about, about Abraham, who offered up his son, uh, and what the, the heartache. We think about God the Father, who from eternity past had sweet communion with his Son, enjoyed the fellowship of his Son, the loving fellowship, never separated. But in that time, he was separated from his Son. And that's why God the Son cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was forsaken with us. He was separated from his Father for us. He bore our sin on that cross, friends, so that we can be united, so that we can have union with our God through Christ and through the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, he gave up the ghost when the great work of salvation was finished. Friends, before Christ gave up the ghost, there was just one more act 
of profound love which needed to be accomplished. And that is the welfare of his mother, which we see in verse 26 and 27. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, that's John, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then said he to his disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. The love of Christ here, friends, is so extraordinary, isn't it? It's so amazing that all these things, the world is upon his shoulders. He is bearing away the sin of the world, as it were. All the sins of all those. He's, he's bled such as the stress of what he is going to endure, that he's bleeding great sweats of blood. That he's had these pegs through his hands and through his feet, suffering the agony of body and the, the crown upon his, of thorns upon his head, piercing the skull, and, and, the, and the cross being put into that socket, and the pain reverberating around his body. A, a slow, uh, awful death, the worst of deaths, and the curse of death. He's suffering all these things, and the punishment of his own father, the, the separating of his own father. He's undergoing all the mocking, the beating. He's been up all night. He's tired. He's undergoing all this wickedness. And yet, and yet, we see this amazing love. This amazing love for his, his, his mother, who, of course, is widowed now. He's still caring, even, even amidst all these things. And so often, friends, how we just pour contempt upon us when we go through things, how when we go through trials or sickness or whatever it is, and, and we can sometimes be a bit snappy, but never the Saviour. We see the Saviour always caring, always loving, as it were. This, this extraordinary love. And we see here the, the effect, the effect that this love has upon a believing heart, upon John, his disciples. It's evident. Did he, did he think about it for a time? Did he go home and ask his friends and say, well, hold on, I just, I need to think about it if I'm, if I've got the money or if, you know, if, if this is right, I need to, to spend some time about these things? Did he murmur and say, well, I cannot do this. This is a huge thing. This is a big decision in life. Did he secretly devise ways out of it? Well, I, well, this means I have to give up certain comforts in my life and certain creature comforts. Not at all. Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. From the very hour, he did that. And friends, Christ does not promise us wealth or health or any other thing in this world. He doesn't promise us these things. But what he does promise us, if we truly seek after him, we truly turn from him our sin to him, is he promises us his love. And he promises us his love will never leave us nor forsake us. He will always be with us in life. He will always give us his spirit and he'll give us grace. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. We're never promised wealth or health or anything. That's the prosperity gospel. 
But he promises that we'll all always know of his love. We'll always know of his presence and his grace, dear friends. And this is exactly what we see here with John. And I hope and pray that those who are, are trusting in the Saviour this day, that this helps us more so to cleave to the promises of God. That we should not be sceptical when it comes to God's promises and his word. We should not say, well, if God says something, well, I'll do, I'll, I'll do things a different way. If God says something in his word, well, I'll, I'll do things this way. When God says something, friends, let us do it by faith. Let, 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 let us grow. Let, let us be moved by his love. If he, if he when we're, we're convicted in our Bible reading or by the means of grace, when we're convicted so much of something in the word of God, let us say, yea, Lord, yea, your love has conquered my heart. Although it goes against what my flesh is saying, it's going against what, what I want to do by the flesh or anything else. If God says it, then I believe in it. And then, I, then I'll prove his love to me. And we see this so evidently with John, don't we? From that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. That that amazing love, that glorious love, like I said, when, when God so takes hold of any poor sinner, and they stand by the cross, they draw nigh to God, they draw nigh to his word and his promises, and they are completely won over. It changes them. There is a different course in life. And that course is walking by faith in God's promises. No more, well, I've got to make other provisions in my life, I've got to be sceptical, I've got to do these things. No. My life has completely changed now. I'm now walking by faith in God's promises. I now trust wholeheartedly in God's ways. And although friends may forsake me, Although people may despise me and hate me and gossip about me behind my back and say all manner of evil against me, I've got God's love. I've got His peace and His promises. And that's enough for me. You know, when I became a Christian, increasingly over the years, I, I lost all my friends. All my friends. And even loved ones. Those who were supposed to be my, my nearest and dearest. They, they went. And it's true, isn't it, of a Christian. If you're truly following the Lord and walking by faith, you're not going to be loved, are you, by this world. Increasingly, you'll be hated and gossiped about and, and false witnesses will be raised up against you. This is what will happen as a Christian. This is what happened to the Savior. This is what happens to his disciples. If, if we truly, by faith, take hold upon him. But you see, friends, it doesn't matter because we've got the Savior's love. We have him. And he promises he will never leave us nor forsake us. When, when Christ returns, where will you be found? Dear, dear friends, where will you and I be found when Christ returns? Will we be ready? Will we be moved by his love? Will we be walking according to his word? When he says something and through the, through the spirit and through the, through the word, will we obey it? Or will we say, no, not this time. I've been hurt. I've been hurt, I've been let down before. People have hurt me, even Christians have hurt me. I'm not doing I'm not this time. Or will we say, Yea, Lord, from this very hour, this very hour I'm going to do your bidding. When Christ returns, where will you be found? Will you be found serving him from the heart, loving him, 
We all get it wrong, dear friends. Let this be a reminder to us. Let God's love so motivate us to greater, to greater acts of faith to Him every day. Let, 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 let us make sure that we're not growing cold in the Christian life. A life of walking by faith in God's promises. It's, it's so easy. It can so easily happen. We can, t- we can lose our mind. We cannot no longer walk by faith in God's promises. We can put our dependence upon ourselves. We must walk by faith. Will you, like Mary and John and the disciples of the Lord, be attending to his words? They were there, weren't they? Because they trusted in the Lord. They were suffering. They were partaking of the Lord's sufferings. The, the, the same agonies which the, the Lord was going, going through was happening to them. They were partakers of it. They were suffering with the Lord. Is that true of us? Or do we try to seek to escape God's sufferings? This is too much now. I must go back to my old life, my old way of doing things. Or this can happen to all of us, friends, but we must pour contempt upon our pride. We must be those who, if, if we have lost sight of our first love, we must plead with the Lord until we, we know of his love again in our hearts and our lives. Well, I hope and pray and trust that the Lord, that God's word will have spoken to us this morning. Amen.